Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 137. We are recording on the first day of September. <laughs> I'm Sharif Williams here with Jen Northington, and today we are talking about speculative flash fiction. Which is very exciting. Yeah. I was trying to remember where this idea came from. Was it a listener's suggestion? I feel like it must have been. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know we've talked about short stories mm -hmm. before and, um, you know, some other types of shorter fiction. But I was kind of surprised we hadn't talked about flash fiction. Yeah. So if it was a reader, thank you very much for <laughs> reminding us that such a thing exists. I love flash flash fiction it was an interesting journey i discovered i i think i had not actually read any before this so oh really yeah turns oh, out i mean aside from like fun. remember when six word stories were a whole thing and i guess that's yes technically flash fiction i remember there are some words that have <laughs> i never know there's like micro fiction yeah, now right. as well and like Figuring out, I actually had to go look at what flash fiction yes. is, but it is five, between five and 1,500 <laughs> words, so it's quite rangy. Right, so, right, right. So six-word stories count, but that was yeah. really the extent of my reading of flash fiction, and those weren't speculative specifically, so this was an interesting one for sure. Quick reminder, listeners, we will be talking about August Kitko and the Mechas from Space by Alex White as our book club pick on our next episode, and that episode will be airing on the 21st. So if you haven't read it yet and you want to follow along on that book club episode, Pick up a copy and get to reading it. We will be talking about spoilers, and it sounds like an amazing read. So again, pick up August Kitko and the Mechas from Space by Alex White, which will be our next book club pick for the show. Well, I'm excited to talk about our experiences reading flash fiction. Uh, but before we talk about some of our picks and some of what we found, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! <laughs> All right, time to kick us off with some news. 
And it looks like I'm going to start, I think I'm going to start with a fun one to kick off lots of adaptation news <laughs> today. Um, I'm ready. It is the first day of September, as I said. I am ready to start thinking about Halloween and all things scary. So I was really excited when I saw this news from Entertainment Weekly um, from, let's see, who is the author here? I think it's just from Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly's editorial board. It's an exclusive about My Best Friend's Exorcism, the adaptation so this is, as some of you might know, an adaptation of the book by Grady Hendrix that came out in 2016. And Grady Hendrix has this way with horror stories and specifically with horror comedy. Uh, and I was kind of excited and kind of like, oh, of course they would adapt this novel. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, like on the cover, I don't know if there are different versions of the cover now, but the one I have is one that is a VHS tape. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what he does is kind of riff off of, you know, horror movies of old. Like that seems to be a big hobby of his. Mm -hmm. And I had this book for a while. I started reading it and, of course, in my traditional way, had to move on to something else for podcast reading. So I never got to finish it, but I know it has a huge fandom. And I read uh, his other book, Horror Store, which was sort of a play on, you know, a horror story in Ikea. Uh, and this one is about exactly what it sounds like. It's about some friends, uh, in 1988, they are, you know, hanging out and doing their teenage thing. And one of the friends gets possessed. So terrible things start happening. Scary things start happening. And, uh, I think that this is kind of the perfect time for everybody's coming out of like, their Stranger Things most recent mm. season viewing and very much into like the sort of vintage, I guess we can call 1988 vintage now, <laughs> frighteningly. I know, it's horrible. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's sort of like nostalgic mm. set um, horror Especially like that, that uh, era of horror stories. So um, I'm excited for that reason because I'm a complete sucker for that. And also just watching the trailer made me really excited because it does have like those great comedy notes uh, from what I can tell from some of the scenes that were shared in this trailer. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be out um, on Prime Video uh, September 30th is when it premieres, it sounds like. So coming up soon. What do you think of all this? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Amazon Prime out here with all of the adaptations. Uh, we'll, yep. we'll talk about more of that in a minute. Uh, and yeah, I'm, you know, I'm definitely probably going to watch this. I mean, at this point, like, <laughs> I've already succumbed to Prime for Wheel of Time. And yeah. We're going to get into t some Tolkien stuff in a minute. So, like, it's like, well, shoot, if I'm already in there, like, <laughs> yeah, I love, I mean, I still have a lot of fondness for, like, 
you know, Heathers, for example. Oh, uh, I love Heathers. Right? And so, like, if you're going to make, like, a callback 80s spooky movie, especially one that features, like, a click from high school, I'm probably going to watch it. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's probably inevitable that I will watch it. And Grady Hendrix is very funny. So, you know, if they have managed to capture the humor of the book, like great yeah Yeah. i am excited uh and it's written by jenna lamia it stars some actresses i do not am not familiar with yeah they all look like they are in it to win it with this trailer (laughs) the perm (laughs) on the blonde i can't even (laughs) it's so good it's very like yeah I, i love it I love the 80s, so Mm. I'll be watching it. Yeah. Uh, Well, since I already, like, segued us into this, let's talk about... I mean, by the time this comes out, people will actually have been able to watch it. But starting tomorrow, at the time of recording, The Rings of Power, the big Tolkien billion-dollar, literally (laughs) billion-dollar show that Amazon has put together will be on the air on Prime and time has done a huge piece on this. I mean, truly ginormous. Uh, Eliana Docterman is the reporter. And uh, she is reporting from San Diego Comic-Con, where she's been shadowing, you know, the cast of creators of The Rings of Power. She's like, talking about the process of building the show, of casting it, of the secrecy surrounding it. Um, there was this one line in particular around the secrecy that made me laugh. So uh, <laughs> Ismael Cruz Cordova, who is playing an elf, when he auditioned, apparently he did not know. He thought he was auditioning for like an Aragorn type role. And then when he found out it was an elf, he was like, well, that makes sense because this guy really loves trees. And I just was dying over (laughs) like there's some great moments in here. Um, And there's a lot of information about like why they picked the storylines they picked and what the concerns are and what the fan response has been so far and how much money they spent. I mean, it's wild. If you like a deep dive, you're going to want to read this. I literally highlighted that same trees line <laughs> because I thought it was so funny, yeah. of course. Uh, I was just like, I honestly was still thinking about Rings of Power in a sort of like, oh, well, well, maybe I'll watch it mm-hmm. when I get around to it or something. But honestly, after reading this deep dive... I got really excited about it, just hearing about how, you know, the showrunners and creators really wanted to do something different and how they were also huge fans Mm -hmm. of the story. Um, I I wasn't sure because I I definitely, like, I've sure I have mentioned numerous times in previous episodes was like I'm just fatigued of this franchise and like so many of the big franchises that are getting a ton of spinoffs and a ton of money um I thought I was not that interested yeah but really hearing about like not only the dedication of the the showrunners and creators but the the cast 
members. Yeah. Like, what they went through to make this, what the feelings they have about the parts mm-hmm. they play, like, especially as actors of color, mm-hmm. I I got a little bit in my feelings <laughs> reading about it. It was so good. And also, I just want to put it out there after reading about some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I would totally also watch a behind the scenes oh, yeah. documentary about like the making of the first season because it sounds like it was no small feat, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the pandemic. There's a whole bit in this that talks about like the stuff the the cast and people involved in the creation of the show went through because the pandemic kind of shut down the production mm-hmm. and they had to make a choice between, you know, going to be with their families and, you know, waiting it out or sticking around to make this historic series. So yeah. I just want to know all the things and I... I am I am definitely going to watch this as soon as it comes out. Nice. <laughs> yeah, there there's another detail in here that I thought was interesting. Uh there I guess the second season has already been okayed um because they're starting to film it and apparently it's got an all-female directing lineup, which is interesting. Mm. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will be very mad about that. <laughs> Uh, they can stay mad. Yeah, they can stay <laughs> mad. I, I just think, yeah, I, I do think, well, it's interesting because, you know, the piece talks about how the secrecy has sort of impacted the public. Like, they didn't want to tell anybody anything about this, yeah. right? And so we were all just sitting here being like, okay. And then we got those, like, very dramatic, remember the posters with the hands? And we were like, what is this? Yes. Like, what? We critiqued them. Yes, we. I like. I own it. I was like, I don't know what this is. I would. I hated that that teaser where it's just the pouring of the rings. I was like, I hate this. This is so boring. Um, So I do think that the secrecy. Like I understand why they did it, but also absolutely, I do think it hurt their cause. So it'll be interesting to see if people, if like this kind of piece, and now people actually being able to see it will change the narrative. How will it change it? Like. What will people, what will the responses be? And, you know, again, this is noted too, the new Game of Thrones spinoff, right, just started airing like a Mm -hmm. week ago. Uh, And I think it's also very true. I mean, we talked about this too. The tone are very different, right? Like the Game of Thrones universe is a grim, dark universe. Bad things happen all the time to all people. Nobody is good in the classical sense of good, right? Like everybody is driven by Mm -hmm. self-interest. That's just human nature, et cetera, et cetera. But like Tolkien's world has, I mean, been lauded or critiqued for its very like simplified view of good versus evil. But I do think that like some people are ready for less grimdark. And and so we'll, you know, question mark like we'll see i'm 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 curious you know i was i was gonna watch it eventually definitely i will say the personal stories from these actors does sort of light more of a fire under me than any of the like glamour shots of the people or the sets or whatever (laughs) i'm like yeah 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 you spent a billion dollars like of course it looks good but like 
is it going to be good? But the fact that the character, these actors are so invested in getting to be a part of this world in a way that is like very affirming for folks who don't get to see themselves in epic fantasy very often. That is very compelling. I agree. Yeah. Well, I I actually, just as an aside, did end up watching the Game of Thrones. Oh, what did uh, you think? The, I, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. There's a lot of like <laughs> House of the Dragon were... is what it's called, right? I can't remember. House of the Dragon. Okay, yeah, okay, I was okay. trying to. Remember. I was like, not Targaryen. Yes, something. I was like, it's House Targaryen, the, the Targaryen show, right? That's what it's called. <laughs> That's what it should be called. <laughs> it has some weird, like it. It just has like the usual icky stuff. Uh, so I definitely am feeling ready to watch something that isn't so grim dark okay is what i'll say interesting yeah yeah but this was a great piece yeah oh my gosh one. so interesting well i will bring us yet more <laughs> adaptation news this is actually for a comic a manga that i have not read but i got really excited about this this is a reported uh, by the Hollywood Reporter from Abid Rahman, and it's about this new series, Parasite the Grey, that is coming to Netflix. And the reason I got excited is because I watched Train to Busan, which was directed by Yan Seng-ho, and... I hadn't read this manga. It sounds horrifying. Train to Busan was really good and really terrifying, but in a very different way. Like, this is, I guess I'm just in my horror element right now. I love horror stories that do horror in an unpredictable way. Uh, very unique way so that you don't know what to expect. And Train to Busan was one of those movies. Uh, and so I got really excited. I know everybody is really into manga, especially right now. It seems to be taking off. So I'm kind of not surprised mm. to see that something is being adapted from manga. And other shows that... um have been subtitled have been doing really well on Netflix apparently mm-hmm. which i i only recently realized uh they mentioned train to busan and its sequel peninsula and then there's another series from yon hellbound which i haven't watched uh which was a great success on Netflix as well uh, so I'm not only interested and curious about Parasite, the comic book series, I am, and that was written by Hitoshi Iwaki, uh, I am just really excited to get more adaptations from this particular director who is ama- an amazing Korean director. So, yeah, more to watch. Yeah, me. I am not going to watch this for the record. <laughs> Parasites who are, like, trying to take over humanity is my actual nightmare. So that's – but Hell, yeah. I do, I do want to check out Hellbound, actually. I, I do think that one thing that Netflix has been very smart about is how international their programming is. 
Um, yes. And like obviously anime has been huge for them. But they, I do think they have invested in bringing, like you said, you know, non-English subtitled works and 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 are benefiting from it. Absolutely. So that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, well, our last piece of adaptation, it's all adaptation news today, <laughs> y'all. It's just 100 percent adaptation news. This one makes me so happy, even though, again, like I may never be able to watch it um dread central has reported uh by mary beth mcandrews that stephen graham jones is getting a tv series based on a graphic novel that like hasn't even come out yet so this is a pretty cool scoop for stephen graham jones who is an author you have heard us talk about before amazing indigenous horror author um and the comic is called earth divers this i'm very interested in and i can handle weirdly i can handle a little bit more (laughs) gore in my comics than i can in my books or shows i don't know why that's true my brain my brain processes it differently so i don't know exactly i can handle slightly more gore um but the synopsis of earth divers is amazing it is there are four indigenous survivors in an apocalyptic near future who embark on a one-way mission to save the world by traveling back in time to kill Christopher Columbus. Like, what? Like, that's (laughs) a bananas fascinating premise. And it's very in Graham Jones's wheelhouse, obviously. Um, It's going to be so interesting. I am, like, I'm a little nervous because the artist... Uh, like the direction that Jones gave his artist, um, David Jean-Felice, was like, draw yes. like the goriest thing you've ever seen, uh. like, and then keep doing it. And you're like, okay, so that's gonna be, that's gonna be hardcore. And then it's, and then yes, so that's the graphic novel. And then Netflix has optioned it to become a TV show, uh, or excuse me, not Netflix, Disney. Um, it's gonna be part of Disney. So like. It's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I don't even know. I don't even know. So the the comic will be out on October 5th from IDW. Um, Who knows how long the show will take to be in development? Um, We'll keep an eye Mm -hmm. out for updates. But yeah, this is I'm 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 very happy for him as a writer to be getting these kinds of opportunities. I am too. I really hope that, you know, it it comes to fruition. And I mean, I know, I guess Disney Plus is different than just Disney as yeah. the whole entity. It Disney does seem Plus like a weird match. To... Yeah. <laughs> it is such a weird match. I thought I had to read it twice because I was like, I can't be reading that right. right. Disney doing Disney? this super gruesome, like kill christopher columbus sort of i mean more power to them and more power to stephen graham jones uh i might pick up this comic book too i am i don't know how i feel about uh the super goriness in (laughs) comics and graphic novels to be honest i think uh i think it's it's Depends. It yeah. Depends. Yeah. I would probably support Stephen Graham Jones anyway and pick it up. Yeah. So. Right. 
Well, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, we'll, uh, I guess that's, that'll be the end of our, <laughs> our news segment. There. Our many, many adap- horror, mostly. Yeah, a lot of horror. Things. It's true. A lot of horror. And then, <laughs> and then Rings of Power, which is like the least horror yeah. thing ever. Yeah. It's an interesting mix of stuff we've got going on today. It's hilarious. Uh, okay, well, before we start talking about flash fiction, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor. All right, and we're back to talk flash fiction. Do you want to kick us off and talk about your experiences, what you've learned? Yeah, so I appreciated that by the time I had started prepping for this, you had already dropped a definition of flash fiction into the <laughs> into the notes. Uh, so as uh, Sharifa said, Writer's Digest uh, defines it as anything between five and 1,500 words. I actually saw a lot of thousand words but this is like this is like Mm. when I remember when we did the story or the show about like novellas and novelettes versus you know and like what is the difference like there are disagreements like that's just true in publishing is that some people define it one way some people define it another like that's fine Um, so that's a rough sort of uh, guideline and yeah I was like who where do I find it? You know what I mean? Like, that was my question. Yeah. I was like, how am I going to find it? So I I literally just Googled speculative flash fiction and, like, Me poked too. around in the results. Like, that's what I did. And I was unsurprised, of course, to see that Tor.com is already on top of this. Their short fiction game is so strong. And they are such a dominant player in short fiction these days like it is of course inevitable but you have a bunch of stuff to talk about there so I'm going to focus on some of the other places that I found um and it was interesting you know because there are serious like communities out there working on speculative flash fiction they get reviewed they're like some of these markets are paid like I was expecting flash fiction to be very like you know, sort of like low key, like not like more like fan fiction, I guess, is what I was thinking. But like, no, like this is a legit writing form that people take very seriously, as they should. And um, that has, you know, like different places where it's it's published. Now, obvious Tor.com was by far the biggest and most established and known outlet for flash fiction that I saw. You know, there weren't most of these other ones I had never heard of before. I had never seen them before. Like, they're very sort of under the radar. Um, but that being said, there's some very interesting flash fiction out there. And I was trying to think about, like, what do I want out of a flash fiction story, right? Like, what is it that I want out of that? And I know I use this phrase all the time when we talk about short fiction where I'm like, well, it feels bigger on the inside. Like, it's short, yeah. but it... it creates this whole world in your head and it's so surprising because it does it with such little material like there's a real art form to writing short fiction that I think can be undervalued by people who don't read as much of it or don't know as much about it because it's really hard to do well like it's really hard to create a satisfying reading experience in not very many words. It's also really hard to do with a lot of words, but like the less material you have to work with, the more you have to do with it, right? So, so yeah, so when I was poking around, you know, I was looking for that. I was like, oh yeah, do these feel bigger on the inside? Um, I also was trying to find, you know, 
inclusive, uh, diverse sources of stories because that's a value that we have here at Book Riot. Um, and that was like a little harder to do. Not everybody has, you know, a bio, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's harder to tell sometimes. But I did, I absolutely found amazing short fiction out there by folks from a broad range of, you know, ethnicities, of experiences, of abilities um, in different places. And I I think um, I'm going to talk about a couple of the stories that I found, but I'm going to start actually sort of backwards and work my way up. Um, I just want to call out Nature.com's Futures vertical, because what they're doing, so Nature.com is like, it's science. Like, it's, it's like, literally I science. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. How it's science. science. That like that's it's okay. a journal, like it's a scientific journal. But one of the things they do is they commission flash fiction about the future that is like based in science. So, yeah, right? Like, that's so cool. Like, that's just super cool. So I'm linking to the archives for that project. And you'll see there's like, there's a ton of them. And they're fascinating. It's so interesting. It's such a cool project. I love like this idea that science and science fiction can and should go hand in hand and be side by side from like something as, you know, big and respected as nature.com like that's super awesome to me so um yeah should I I don't know like I don't know how to alternate when we're doing this should I like talk about that's that story first and then we'll yeah yeah let's talk talk about the places we got them and then talk about this I think that that's a good way to go yeah okay so you so you go ahead and talk about where you found stuff okay well I was all over the place as well. I did the same Google search. Um, <laughs> and I was also, even before actually looking at any of the results, I was immediately concerned I was not going to find a lot of diversity. Um, and so that's why I was very happy to find on tour.com, which, as you said, is just known for producing all sorts of fiction and all sorts of formats or all sorts of speculative fiction and all sorts of formats. And I was really happy to see a collaboration with Faya, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a black speculative fiction magazine. And they did this whole thing, this whole series that was very much focusing on black speculative fiction in flash fiction stories. So it was a series of, it was like around 10 to 12 stories, uh, flash fiction stories that were from black voices. And it's described as stories that stand in testament to the power and vitality of Black voices in the face of centuries of institutionalized oppression. Uh, And I just thought this was so great. I was happy to see it. I was happy to see, you know, flash fiction from Black voices really being highlighted, especially like both of those platforms are amazing, Faya and Tor. So to see them come together, it felt like this sort of big power collaboration, and it was surprising to see it happen around flash fiction. Uh, I am not as new to flash fiction. I think that uh, I came across it initially because I was trying to do more writing, 
and flash fiction felt like a sort of accessible entry point to developing the craft of writing Mm. it turned out to be very difficult (laughs) (laughs) in the same way you might think a novel is harder to write than a short story not necessarily true like in that same writer's digest piece uh it talks about flash fiction as how you know the writer is focusing on the narrative's movement instead of focusing on plot or character development. And then it's like every sentence, every word should reveal something to the reader that we did not know before. So every single bit of a flash fiction story is so important. Like you have to really consider every word you're using, every sentence and how it's placed. So it's really just impressive to see people creating these amazing stories that take you to a place and these stories in this Faya tour collaboration were a great example of that happening um so i really loved that particular resource uh and enjoyed a lot of the stories i actually read quite a few of them i chose one for this but but yeah that was one of the places and then you know the other places i found lightspeed magazine is another one that is just uh it's very popular a lot Mm -hmm. of people who are into speculative fiction magazines which you know is still like uh a percentage of yes. speculative readers not a, not everybody is like reading speculative fiction magazines but it's been around a long time and there are lots and lots of stories in their archives and so i was happy to see that there are similarly lots and lots of, of flash fiction stories in their archive um and they did a sort of similar They did a special edition, actually. So this isn't a collaboration. It's just a special edition uh, that was Queers Destroy Flash Fiction. So it was specifically, you know, queer flash fiction in the sci-fi fantasy genre. And I was really happy to see that as well. So it was very encouraging to see that. Uh, there aren't just the same, you know, Western white voices in flash fiction that I very much remember when I initially came mm. upon flash fiction as being a thing. That was not that long ago. Right. So <laughs> I was I, I felt really good about that. Um, I will say that in that specific link to Queers Destroy Flash Fiction, It was published in, I think, 2015, and I'm hoping that if they do that again, there will be more people of color Mm. represented in that list. I think that was still something that was not really, uh, I don't know, they probably, maybe they strived to have more representation there, but Mm -hmm. I didn't see it, so I, I would like to see it in the future if that happens again. So, yeah. That was a fantastic spot for finding flash fiction as well. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and I guess the only other one I had was Pseudopod, which is uh, for people who are into listening right. to their flash right. fiction. Yeah. I, I do love the Destroy series. Um, they've done a bunch of those. Yes. And <clears throat> there's always some interesting stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, well, so to go into one of my picks... Um, which was from so I found flashfictiononline.com which is a very nicely I it is a very slick site I'm just going to say it's a, it's a super oh. slick literary magazine specifically for flash fiction I do think they have some work to do in terms of incorporating more diversity at, at least racially in terms of uh, there are like there are absolutely authors of color in there but they are Definitely in the minority, um, and I would love to see more. Um, but I was absolutely able to find, you know, some different folks in there, and 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 some great stories. Um, I this one that actually Sharifa, I think you would really like. It's called "No One Sleeps on an Empty Stomach" by Lucy Zhang, and it is horror. And it is about two sisters uh, during Hungry Ghost Month and the ways that they are trying to appease the ghost of their beloved and now deceased auntie and um, the, you know, stories their mom tells them about hungry ghosts and like, these are the things you can do and these are the things you can't do. Um, And it is so sinister. And the turn it takes at the end, I was not prepared for and it was great and there is also an interview at the end with an author which is I always love to see that so I'm not going to tell you anything else about this story because I feel like especially with flash fiction like how can it not all be spoilers like it's so yeah. short, it's so short um but I was very impressed with uh, this like the quality of the site and a lot of the stories um, and that one in particular I was like well there's my horror pick right there like I have a horror pick I have a fantasy pick and I have a sci-fi pick um, for my for my uh, for my picks here so that was my horror pick again that's No One Sleeps on an Empty Stomach by Lucy Zhang and I'm gonna leave a link in the show notes you can read it online for free whoops so much of mine is horror. <laughs> <laughs> I am By zero, accident. zero percent surprised. Sharifa, like truly, is not not surprised. I know. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Uh, well, my first pick that is horror <laughs> is by <laughs> Zinni Rocklin, who wrote the novella Flowers for the Sea, which I've talked about on this show, and was definitely also horror. Mm -hmm. And it's called Tea Time. And this is from the Faya Tor collab. I really had a hard time deciding which of those stories to talk about. But I mean, I'm such a fan of Rockland's work and the way they describe in great and often horrifying detail what is happening in the story. And this one was so, like, it just screamed Rocklin. I'm saying that as someone who has literally read one novella (laughs) by them, but (laughs) I'm totally basing it off of that. It is a really creepy under the skin story about 
a woman who's having tea time with another person and learning about this alarming, creepy event that happened to her guest. And the event involves a child that is doing something very unusual and very horrifying. And at the same time, it examines the main character's story and what's going on there and this feeling of hunger that she has. And again, that is as much as I can say, but I thought it did a really good job of just like doing that thing of putting you right there in the story. You just get a sense of who these people are and that there is something terrible afoot of an unusual nature. Mm. So I loved it. I loved it. And if you loved Flowers uh, for the Sea, I think you will love this flash fiction. Rockland has a real creepy children thing going. Yeah, right? That is, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like It's a whole so, situation. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Uh, so my next one, I actually, I maybe shouldn't call it fantasy. This is, so this was one of the cool things actually about poking around in the flash fiction archives was seeing names of authors who I have read in other contexts, like who have written, you know, novellas or novels or, you know, whatever, like names that I already knew. Because a lot of these names were new to me. It's very clear from my search that there's like a whole community of, you know, flash fiction writers out there who this is what they do, which is super cool. But then, of course, there are those writers who dabble in lots of lengths of stories. And um, so I was extremely delighted to find a story by Kaming Chang, uh, who is the author of Bestiary, which is a really intense book (laughs) for the record, like a body horror every page, basically. Um, Not going to lie, I struggled with it, but it was also, I mean, it's very traumatizing. It's very horrific, but also really, really good. It's one of those books. So uh, I was like, oh, this will be good because it's a smaller dose of what Chang does. And um, it was a reprint. And it is called What is Yours is Yours. And it is a story about a mother and a daughter um, talking about what you can expect out of life, I guess, is the way I want to say this. And every sentence is a journey. I mean, Chang blends reality with reality question mark, like just like just throws it all together in the same in the same sentence, in the same bucket, in the same, like, doesn't distinguish. And so you never quite know where you're standing in terms of what is going on. And I think that's, like, the beauty of Chang's writing. And this story, like, if you've never read Kaming Chang, like, this is definitely going to be an introduction to, for, like, to her work for you. I can talk today, I swear. Um, <laughs> We're all there. Yeah. And like, if you have, you're going to be like, yep, that's it. Like, that's it. That's the stuff right there. And it is so intense. Like, you wouldn't think that like, 
I don't know how many words it is, but it's not that many. You know, it'll take you like two minutes to read. You wouldn't think that you could get this level of intensity out of such a short thing. And yet here we are. Like, I think it's a really great demonstration of how every word, every literal word in a piece can be a punch to you. So again, that's what is yours is yours. um, And I will have a link uh, in the show notes to it on Flash Fiction Online. I wonder if flash fiction is sort of especially for authors who are established or have published a novel or whatnot. Like, I wonder if it's just like a sort of a both a calling card and a way to kind of flex. Ooh, like, yeah. I just, because especially when you say something like, you know, every sentence was a journey, like, I ha- that has to be kind of a, a cool thing. Like, that's that could be your whole resume. Right. It's just that flash fiction story. Yes, I can write a fantastic story that yeah. takes you on a journey. Well, I... All of the rest of my flash fiction stories are actually by people I have, authors I have never heard of, uh, writers who are out there that I just have not stumbled upon yet, or perhaps they are uh, only writing flash fiction or shorter fiction in magazines, and I am a terrible reader of magazines, (laughs) so... Surprise, surprise, I have not heard of them, but I was really happy to read their work. So in Lightspeed, uh, which has a ton of works by really well-known authors like Stephen King and Ursula K. Le Guin and N.K. Jemisin, uh, in, in Lightspeed, I found flash fiction by Rati Marutra, and I read The Disappearing Dream Engineer which was this very haunting sort of, it's one of those stories where it just feels like you're on this sort of casual daily experience with a character, but something so unusual happens, but it just feels like, oh, this is happening. This really strange thing is suddenly happening to me. And I'm just going to go about my life and maybe figure out what's going on. Maybe something big is going to happen as a result of it. So this one's about an engineer who works for a virtual escape company. And this engineer has a habit of literally disappearing. So the story is really in the title here. But this engineer just decides to see where this strange hiccup takes her it it happens for a specific reason at specific times in her life and why it's happening and how it will affect her on a larger scale is what you read about in this flash flash fiction story so i just thought this was a really great story i I was fully invested and I love any, I really love the virtual reality stories. Mm. I don't know what it is about them, but this one said so little about the actual virtual reality company, but it was just a a delightful, wonderful story. Uh, And yeah, this author, uh, Marotra, writes science fiction and fantasy novels in short stories. I have not heard 
about the duology she wrote. It's the Asiana duology, and the first book is Mark's Woman, which was published in 2018. Oh, I read that. Did I oh, read that? Look at that? I think I read that. It did sound really familiar. I mean, you read a lot of books. I so do read a lot of like books, but the... that sounds really familiar. I'm like, yep, I read that. I sure did. <laughs> That's that sounds, see, it's so funny. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> that was good. That I enjoyed it. It. I didn't. I didn't end up finishing the duology because you know series is. It's so hard to keep up. But I did really enjoy that book. Well, there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad one of us has read yeah. her work because that was a great flash fiction story. Well, now I'm gonna have to read the flash fiction. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely should. All right. Well, my last pick is my sci-fi pick. And what was interesting is there were some names that popped up over and over again. Like I was saying, like there's clearly some authors who specialize in this. Um, So this is over on the Nature Futures uh, section. And this is by Carol Shana, who, side note, uh, notes that she is deaf. Um, and so that's nice to see some uh, folks with different abilities and disabilities showing up in here. Um, and this story, oh my goodness, this is about... <laughs> What so okay? I think a lot of us have heard of this trope before. Like you upload your consciousness, and then it gets downloaded ah, yeah. into a different body, right? But when you yes. think about how data works, which this author was doing, like okay, well, what if the data gets like corrupted or mixed up, and like what if we lose the markers that tell us which person this data belongs to? What happens? And so the premise of this story is that um, a couple, Lonnie and Omar, have been married for two years and they are they take ships to a new life. And they're both, you know, uploaded and then downloaded. And Lonnie gets there first and she's waiting on Omar. And when that ship lands she finds out that like uh, there is a problem with the data and so she has to try to like help id her husband's data it is fascinating and it is also i love there's a little piece about like why the author decided to write this story um and she says like it's based on having to like doing these like trivia games where you try to like guess what your partner or your kids would say in a personality quiz it's like you know the oh. newlywed game right like think yeah. about the newlywed game like what's their favorite this what do they love about this what's their favorite color like can you actually answer those questions but like make it sci-fi and so i just loved everything about the story it's it's beautifully written it is such a compelling premise I was so stressed out for this couple. <laughs> and it's like so true. It's like, yeah, do you know these things about your loved ones? Like your parents, your, you know, significant others, like your kids, like whoever, like your best friends even. Like, do you know these things? Like, I don't know if we know other people as well as we think we do. So I loved it. Um, definitely give it a read. Again, that's please fill out this form regarding your loved ones by <laughs> Carol Shana. <laughs> I hope I never have to be put to that. Oh test. my gosh. <laughs> I would be terrified and humiliated. No newlywed show for wow. you. <laughs> no. Well, I got greedy and I have two picks, but I'm going to keep them short 
<laughs> which is not that hard to do. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to continue with the excellent titles mm. for these flash fiction stories with my next pick, which is Bucket List Found in the Locker of Maddie Price, Age 14, Written two weeks before the great uplifting of all mankind. This is by Erica L. Satifka. So this is, <laughs> the title is literally, like, the title could be flash yes, fiction. Yes. That is the funny part of this. <laughs> and it is, like, it is literally what it sounds like. It is a bucket list of a 14-year-old who is writing this bucket list out because this big event is going to happen where... Everybody is going, everybody in the world is going to be changed by this event. So this was one of those sci-fi stories that is so simple. Uh, This comes from, by the way, that uh, Queers Destroy Flash Fiction uh, section of Lightspeed. So this was one of those stories where it's so simple and the format is so, you know, as a bucket list, it, it's so interesting. It's nice to sometimes change it up with how you're reading and what you're reading. So I found that titillating and it was just such a great way of telling this sweet sapphic young love story bittersweet young love story in this very cataclysmic sort of like oh wow everything the world is just like going through this big uplifting let's call it uh the title calls it that so i i just thought this was sweet and wonderful and i it was sort of like a heartwarming palate cleanser, I guess, even though it is a little bit bittersweet. And this isn't by another author that I was not aware of, uh, but who writes a lot of short fiction and lives in my old stomping around Portland, Oregon. So loved that flash fiction. The last one I had to throw out to all of my fellow audiobook listeners who love to hear what they're reading and it's from pseudopod which has a whole flash fiction section which of course i'm going to link in the show notes um and the story is if it bit you by donye coles and it's this really great short piece that centers the an experience that's familiar to many black women in doctor's offices and hospitals and other healthcare institutions and it's this experience of going unheard, of having your concerns and fears waved away. But this story comes with a supernatural horror twist. So, uh, <laughs> and by the way, I just realized that I totally was wrong. I did not choose all horror flash fiction stories. No. I conflated that because my first, like, 10 I chose before whittling this list down were all horror, and I'm glad that I accidentally diversified <laughs> my genres. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. That was so great, though. Yeah, that, that was a good time. Uh, yeah, I, I will try to read more flash fiction, especially when I, you know, am feeling slogged down by 
giant book. <laughs> I think it, it's a great option. Well, I hope that you'll tell us about wonderful flash fiction stories you've read. Uh, SFF Yeah is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. For more recommendations, you can check out bookriot.com. And you can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening. If you do have any flash fiction stories you want to pass along to us, you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And if you have a moment, please do review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps people find us and we would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can find us online in the meantime. Where can they find you, Jen? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And you can find me on Instagram at S Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And we'll talk to you next time.